you know, I'm going to walk out of here, go eat some lunch and just feel real happy I raised Ian's. All those persuasive papers paying off, man. Welcome to the What's Our Verdict podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Matt Seniner. Better red than dead. Andy and Anderson. Some shit. We appreciate your help going on the podcast. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us. Go check out our website, whatsourverdict.com, where you can listen to all of our episodes, sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive content and updates, pick up some sweet, sweet merch, and interact with us. The question we always ask, if you ever find yourself wondering if you should spend the time, money, or both on a movie, to help with that question, each week we put a movie on trial, discuss the facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. Today we're reviewing Spider-Man No Way Home. It was released on December 17th, 2021. It was written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. It was directed by John Watts. It stars Tom Holland, Zendaya, Jacob Batalon, Marissa Tomei, Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe, Jamie Foxx, Thomas Hayden Church, Reese Efans, and Benedict Cumberbatch. With Spider-Man's identity now revealed, Peter asks Doctor Strange for help. And when a spell goes wrong, dangerous foes from other worlds start to appear, forcing Peter to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. If you haven't seen this movie and you want to avoid spoilers, go check out our spoiler-free review on YouTube. There's a link in our show notes. If you have seen this movie, you're okay with spoilers, hang out with us because we're about to spoil the shit out of this thing. So, one last warning, because this is the movie of the year, pretty much, at this point. (laughs) If you have not seen this, there are big spoilers to come. So get the fuck out if you want to avoid them. If you're okay with them, hang out. But I just hey. don't want anybody to get mad. So JJ, maybe they've already seen the leaked footage and there's nothing to spoil. So much leaks. Let's talk about that. So there is so much that has been leaked with this movie. This is probably the most leaked movie. And it's unfortunate because, look, let's get it out of the way. There's some major things. So big spoiler, if you haven't, seen this movie or if you have we all know now that all three spider-men are in this movie and there's some big things that happen people die we'll talk about that later but like the sad part is that we knew forever now that those if you really read anything you knew that the other two spider-men were going to be in this movie because it's just been the talk and it's the leak like i didn't read anything (laughs) so JJ, when you when you say leak, like because I I heard rumors that they were going to have the other two, but was there actual leaked footage of them appearing? Because I never saw anything like that. I never really read anything, but I did hear through the grapevine that both of them could be in it. That's all I heard from a leaked perspective. There was no leaked footage, but there was leaked photos from set with them in it, them there well, on then, set. Well, I mean that's yeah. yeah, and they have no reason to be on set other than being in the movie. So so that's basically someone on set getting paid by maybe like TMZ or something to absolutely. release a photo like that. Absolutely. Which is bullshit. And I, and I get why they're doing it. They probably make a fuck ton of money. I'm doing sure it. that person made a lot of money. Yeah, but it's just like, God, why ruin it? Because, and I don't know, and I, I'm, I'm excited to hear, Ian, you talk about it because if you didn't know or you had no idea that that was happening, like for me, like it was really disappointing because that's such a cool moment that, to be surprised by that would have been really, really cool. So JJ, for you, because I kind of forgot, like, you're probably just waiting because you, as the story progresses, you're like, okay, when are they coming? When are they coming? Like, is yeah. this it? Is this it? And Ian's probably like, oh, like, I want to hear both your reactions. What was it like for you guys? After they brought in villains from both movies, I was like, okay, they've got to do this. Like, there's no way you mm-hmm. can't do that. Once you've got those in there. So it was like, I knew that it was coming, but 
it was still super exciting to to see like this reveal and be like, oh, oh, that's Spider-Man number two. That's Spider-Man number one. <laughs> and it, it, that was actually my favorite part of the movie. Like I mm. wasn't expecting to enjoy it that much because Tobey Maguire's Spider-Mans are not movies I'm going to watch again. But no. having him there was super entertaining. So I love that part. I didn't think I'd like it as much as I did. Yeah, and for me, it was more about like, how were they going to do it? And I really liked the way that they did it. The fact that it was like a very quiet moment, right? So after this big shocking moment in the movie, the very next quiet scene, and I liked that it had nothing to do with our Peter Parker, right? Tom Holland's Peter Parker. It was MJ and and Ned that are just sitting there trying to figure out how do they help their friend, right? And they're trying to find him. And all of a sudden, these other two Peter Parkers are, to the credit to these writers, and we're really jumping into some heavy shit right out the gate, which I'm okay with, but these two guys are the guys that are going to help Tom Holland's Peter get through what just happened to Aunt May, right? They're the only ones that are going to be able to help him process this in a very effective way because they've been through similar things, which I really liked that, which you didn't realize, but there was no uncle Ben for our Peter Parker for Tom Holland's right. You don't see, cause they even at the end when they go to May's grave, there's no Ben Parker. It's just may. And so I found that difference really interesting. So he hadn't had that pain of losing someone, which makes his naivete through his first two movies make more sense, right? And for me, emotionally, this movie was really on point, and those two coming in were a really big thing. Now, on the flip side, that moment in Ned's grandma's house, her his Lola's house, lasted too long. Hmm. That movie, that could have been chunked down a little bit. Like, the whole silly him crawling over to get the, the cobweb in the corner... Like, I like the moment where the two, where Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, like, face off and, like, web shoot each other's web shooter area to, like, kind of stop it. Like, that moment was funny to me. But, like, the silly shit with, like, his Lola talking to them, like, I I could have done without that. I don't think that added anything. That was, like, one of those forced Marvel comedy moments. Well, yeah, that, that's where, that's the only problem with Marvel, where they... They're their own worst enemy was sometimes with that. We're like, well, you satire this a little, a little too much there. Like yeah. they're also going to be pretty freaked out. That was the one thing where like they came in and I know they're Peter Parker smart and everything, but they also just kind of accepted like, oh, we're here. Like, all right, like, cool. Like they're just Joe cool. And I'm like, I don't know if you're going to be like that when you just got sucked into another, dem- like <laughs> another universe. Yeah. And you've been wandering around it for... suddenly starts doing portals everywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that was that was the other one of the things where I, I was like, so you get the the little thing in your hand and, and anybody can do this? Like this just happens. I was like, that's rather convenient for this story. So that does have comic book reference. So Ned Leeds does have so there's two. Okay. So if you didn't know, the other running joke with this movie was when they were talking about Tom Holland and Ned Leeds were having the conversation. I would never turn into a villain and come after you. He does in the comics. So Ned Leeds becomes the (laughs) character called the Hobgoblin. So he's like an orange version of the Green Goblin. He's pretty twisted. But there is a storyline in the comics that attaches Ned Leeds to the Sorcerer Supreme. 
and not Doctor Strange. So he is kind of tied to Doctor Strange, but he turns on Doctor Strange. And Mordo, who is one of the the guys in the original Doctor Strange movie, is going to be the big villain if you hung around to the final credits, post-credit scene and watch the trailer for the new Doctor Strange movie. The guy with the dreadlocks, Mordo, he becomes the Sorcerer Supreme in the comics because Ned Leeds helps him. So Ned Leeds does have a tie-in to the wizarding or sorcerer world and does have some magical affinity so that is an actual tie-in and not everyone can do that shit but you have to kind of have that that comic knowledge to go oh that's clever and it's a very obscure comic storyline that they're pulling from for that but yeah ned in the comics does become a villain this version of ned would not be very scary to me as a villain no, and I don't think they'll <laughs> yeah, do that to this version at all. Ned. Like he would be like a joke. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll do that to Ned. This Ned, but it made for a funny back and forth of becoming the the villain. Unless, unless he has like a Neville Longbottom transformation or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I did love That's that funny. both the other Spider Mans were like, "Wait, magic exists here? Like, yeah, <laughs> magic, a spell book, a wizard. Like, you guys are the crazy ones, not us." <laughs> yeah. And I I enjoyed more than I thought I would those other two in there. I was actually really worried. I, I think I've commented to you guys before because I didn't like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movies. Like I, I told Casey today, we were talking about it. And I said, I, I liked the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire in that it was the first pretty well done comic book movie, in my opinion. X-Men, I think, had come out already, but I hate the X-Men movies with all of a passion of, of the fire of a burning sun. I like the original oh, Spider-Man. Like they, they're nostalgic for me. Not the third one, but the I first didn't, two. Yeah, yeah. The third one's the hot one. garbage. Yeah, the third one's hot garbage with Bully Maguire. Uh, but the first one, like, it was okay. And again, because it was it was a well done comic book movie, I enjoyed it at the time. Looking back on it, it's not a great movie, but I did enjoy having Tobey Maguire like this grizzled older. I mean, he's almost fifty years old, so he's forty six. Oh, wow. Yeah, this grizzled, you know, Tobey Maguire come in and share some of his knowledge. And and then you have, of course, Andrew Garfield, who, to me, almost stole this movie. Like, he was so good. And Andrew Garfield can act. He carried the Amazing Spider-Man movies. He and Emma Stone carried yeah, I those movies. I love those movies. See, and I, yeah. again, to me, outside of Emma Stone and Toby, and Andrew Garfield, the movies weren't good. Sure. I mean, that's I, why I like them because they were they were awesome. Yeah, they carried those movies. Now I like Reese fans. The guy that plays Lizard, Doctor Connors. Like I like him as an actor too. So he was good in the first Amazing Spider-Man. But the emotion that Andrew Garfield can pull, and I'll tell you, that was the other thing that was a big leak. Was everybody was like, "Oh, it's going to be Andrew Garfield that saves MJ when you see her falling in the trailer," and it made sense that he did. But the the fact that he has this emotional, he's choking up after he saves her because he actually was able to versus Gwen dying in the second one. Like, holy shit. Like, I, it choked me up. Like, it's been a minute. It's probably been since Endgame that I actually got choked up in a, in a Marvel movie. But this one choked me up a couple times and it was always Andrew Garfield. Yeah, there were like tears welling in my eyes. Like, two moments. So like when, and it was both Andrew Garfield. So when Andrew Garfield comes in and he's talking about Gwen and the fact that he she died to Tom Holland, his ability to draw emotion 
man, it's great. He's such a good actor. What do you think he's thinking about during those moments? Like, I don't know. I've always wondered that. Like those, because another one that can do that is like Hugh Jackman. Like he can cry on command pretty much. And it's like, he really cries. Like, so I always wonder how they do that. Like, Cause I can't do that shit. Yeah. I can't. But yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by the, the other Spider-Man coming in. And I liked it. They weren't just a cameo. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I like that you you talked about this JJ that with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man being so much older, Andrew Garfield being I guess he would have been like early twenties at that point, and then yeah. you've got kid Spider-Man Tom Holland. Even though I mean it's hard to make him look totally like a kid at this point, but you could see the different maturity levels and how they responded to certain situations, but still had kind of the the Spider-Man banter as well. I thought that was they they did a pretty good job with that. It was yeah. it was interesting to see Marvel's spin on Spider-Man that they tried to make him more comical because previous to that, like Spider-Man isn't like necessarily a funny character, but you know, yeah. Marvel always has got to interject their their humor into that. And then overall I think they they had a pretty good balance. I mean they certainly leaned into some spots with the cobweb or with the the web ejaculation or whatever it was when they were they were talking about that where I mean it, it was funny, but some of those moments I don't know. They do a pretty good job with it, but sometimes it I'm comes like, like out of you? Like <laughs> <laughs> Does your body just make that? Yeah. Do you have to just like think about making it? Because I don't know, it's like breathing. That's yeah, yeah, that was web block. Yeah. yeah, well, that's the one. That's it. So web block. Existential like, crisis. Oh yeah, I know about that too. Oh god, they did pretty so good weird. with those three. Yeah, I wouldn't was, have mind just watching those three the whole movie. Like, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. It was pretty funny. So one thing I want to talk about though that I wish this movie had more of is more combo Spider-Man fighting. One, that I know I'm getting closer to the end and, and talk about some of this, but I I wish there was more action scenes where they were able to do some of the, the combo fighting where we had some of it. But I, I don't know. I was just selfish. Like I wanted to see more of that where some of the, the villain battles got a little bit more segmented than I wanted. And I, I thought it'd been cooler and just felt more weighty if they had to to work together for an even longer period. I thought that the resolution at the end with those battles happened relatively quickly and wasn't mm-hmm. as if there was a bigger, biggest criticism I think I'm going to make is the end battle just didn't carry as much gravitas as I wanted to it. And I don't think there, there wasn't a true, in my opinion, centralized villain in this movie that really, like if it was the Green Goblin, we didn't see him for a large chunk of the movie till the end when he disappeared. And there wasn't that driving force home. And I thought when the time was fracturing that we were going to get some like crazy villain trying to poke his head through or more of the Spider-Man people you could have gotten more cameos that I don't know about that JJ would have just been salivating at (laughs) and showed more of the sense of urgency because I never actually felt like they were in that big a danger because whenever they show Doctor Strange, he kind of, in my opinion, had a decent amount of it under control. And so I never felt that urgency. I was like, oh my gosh, like if he doesn't close this down right now, like all hell's going to break loose. They're all coming. Like I thought they could have shown more of that and, and shown more of that urgency in the battles because it just always felt like they they had a plan they had a devices they're going to take about and all is going to be well i was just hoping for more of a sense of urgency at the end i will say though the time that william defoe was on camera did oh, super oh, awesome with green goblin he's like creepy I, I felt he played green goblin better here than he did in the original movie so yeah, has, he definitely stirs some things up with with Spider Man. So, oh, yeah. can they make him the next Joker? 
Dude, they've talked about it before. Like make a good oh, joker. He man. would. Willem Dafoe is so good, like at everything he does. Like, why I not have him take Dafoe. the Green Goblin character he's already got because he's got that down and just mold it a little bit into the juggle? Are we yeah. not going to like that? Oh, we'd love it. He's got the smile for it. Oh, oh yeah, so creepy. He's so good. Well, and I like that he, like you said, he, and he was better in this than he was even in the original Spider-Man movie. But I love that. Part of what I hated about him in the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire is he was constantly doing that, like, talk to himself in the mirror shit, like where he had the like voice in his head. Gollum. Yeah, it was really, and it just didn't work for me after a while. Like, I understood that, but they only did that once in this one. And then he, like, breaks the mask, and then it, he was either one or the other, right? He was nice Norman or he was the Goblin. And so it was, I liked that because I didn't have to, like, listen to him have that weird conversation back and forth like that always pulled me out in the original and in this they only did it the once just to trigger to show you that he's trying to fight it still so i found that very but yeah willem dafoe is just that's exactly why we hate venom yeah as well fuck yeah that's true (laughs) god but the other one is alfred molina i really liked him as doc ock he was the saving grace for me in the second spider-man with toby Maguire. like he carried that movie for me and I liked his character as Doc Ock and I liked what he did with it. So it was really cool to see him come back as like him battling with him. And then like the moments where he kind of pauses. So he showed that he has some control over the arms. Cause he's like, you're not Peter Parker, even though we'd seen that in the trailer, if you'd watched it, like it was just a cool way to do that. And then that kind of leads me into what I found was really that I didn't know about because I have tried to avoid a lot of it, but I, I read enough that I knew that there was a lot of rumors about things. But what I didn't know was like this whole twist of trying to remove what made these guys evil, right? So give Doc Ock the ability to control the arms back, give an anti-serum to the goblin to get rid of that alter ego. The same with like make Sandman not sand, get rid of the electric powers for the shocker for... So, I mean, there's just so much for electro. So... There's so many things that I was like, I like this part. And the fact that May was like the catalyst for, you have to try to save these guys. And if you send them back, then they don't necessarily die. So I thought that was pretty cool. I liked that twist on the story. And I liked the way that it played out that they got Doc Ock. Because I had wondered, like, I liked that they played Doc Ock because they save him. He gives back the, you know, the nanite piece of his suit so that he gets that like amazing, that cool suit, the new suit version. And then I like the way they played it in the end battle where he comes up and he slams Spider-Man and you think that maybe his, that piece on his head that helped him got fried again when he was fighting Electro before he ran. But then he turns around and helps them take that arc reactor off of Electro to actually help them fight. I thought that was really cool because that was always, he was always the big one that, he was such a good man that it was always the tentacles and the machine that drove him crazy. So I liked that they really played into that. And that was a cool, I didn't see that one coming. Just the way that he, it was about saving these guys. I think they juggle all the villains pretty well. To Manson's point, there isn't like a central main villain. They kind of had that with Green Goblin a little bit, but didn't lean into it. But they juggle all the other ones very well, where normally that would be very... I feel like you're competing for that screen time or that storyline with just one or two of them. 
but instead they were able to kind of juggle all these different villains and and make it interesting and kind of engaging as you went on through the story. Yeah, I mean, it could have gone south quickly. I should <laughs> it, they while I wanted more of a leader, more urgency at the end. I mean, that that being said, they did not do the opposite of that, and it was convoluted, mess up, too many hands in the cookie jar. So. They did a good job for what they had to work with. Yeah. Well, and it was good because we've seen that, right? So Spider-Man 3, way too many villains and they handled it poorly, right? Yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, too many villains and they handled it poorly. So it was really nice to see that you doubled the amount of villains even in those movies, but you handled it in such a way that it allowed for something to make sense and everybody got their screen time and... And it really worked. So I agree completely. That was a big deal. That's something I expect Marvel at this point. Like they they should be decent at that because they've they've while yeah. it hasn't necessarily been a ton of villains per se, they've had to deal with a ton of heroes and given the proper screen time. They know how to do this. And that's when I think yeah. we all as fans of the MCU have come to know and expect and respect is they are good at balancing a lot of different characters to drive a story home. Do they always do it perfect? No, but they do it in a way that it's it's pretty damn good. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk about the big elephant. We've mentioned it, but May, man, Marissa Tomei, God damn, I love that woman. Like she really kills it as May. Like she drives, you know, that, that moral center for Peter who's kind of going, he's with Doctor Strange, right? Like these are one of his mentors. Like, you know, Stark's gone. He has a relationship kind of with, you know, Dr. Strange. So Strange is saying, we got to get rid of these guys and we have the opportunity to do so. And it doesn't matter. We just need to save our universe. He's been involved in saving the universe a couple of times now, right? So it's a big deal that here's Strange saying, this is what we need to do. And then it just takes May going, but you can do it differently. You can help these guys and actually make it about an individual. And so I really liked that that juxtaposition of those two points of view and how he battled with that, like even to fighting with May down to the point where he made a decision to then fight Dr. Strange. But then all of a sudden now he's got to live with the weight of it's his fault in his mind that May died. Right. And she played that. That's the other one that it almost got me when May dies, like, man, she just kind of just stops. Right. But she's like, She's up, she's moving. You think, okay, everything's good. And I was like, oh, oh it can't be that good. She got hit hard. <laughs> and then, yeah, when she dies, and then that whole, I love that they bring Happy in. He pulls up and sees what's happened and tells Peter to run. And, oh, God, it was just a heartbreaking moment. So I really appreciated the fact that there was some gravity to the decisions that were made. Because he could have sent them back and they would have just done their thing and none of that would have... And made still be alive, right? And he has to live with that. So I appreciate... And not to bring Javier into it, but that's the kind of thing that doesn't happen in Marvel movies very often. So yeah. I really appreciated the fact that they, they stuck with that and they made some real weight to it. And then to watch because of that, Tom Holland fighting with a dark side, right? Like I love that he was full on getting ready to kill Goblin. Like, no hesitation. He picks up the... He's beating the ever-loving shit out of the Goblin. Like, I was like, oh my God, he is mauling this dude. And then he picks up the glider and he's getting ready to stab him with it. And I love that he was about to make another 
big life-changing moment. And the only thing that stopped him was a Spider-Man that had done it himself and had to live with that decision. That kind of weight really is what made this movie so good that we weren't dealing with just happy-go-lucky shit. This was a pretty heavy movie considering, at least in parts, considering the the material and and what characters we're dealing with. So I really loved that whole dynamic of watching our Peter Parker, Tom Holland's Peter Parker going through these heavy decisions. And I loved that he had other versions that have been through stuff to help carry him through that. So when Tom Holland's Spider-Man was trying to kill the green goblin with his, his craft and then Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man got stabbed. Does the spider sense not work because they're just in an emotional moment? That's the only thing I was like, well, they probably would have sensed that and I could still see him getting stabbed. Maybe he started to move or even Tom Hall, like maybe had a moment where he could have grabbed his wrists and been like, no, like not going to happen and like knocked him out or something. I just thought that was interesting because Spidey sense is a real thing. And I just was a little surprised that he's going to get stabbed in the back like that. I think it was a choice. And I, there was a moment I was telling Casey, cause I thought the same thing at first, but there was a moment where right before it happens, you see, Toby Maguire's eyes go wide. And I think he chose to let it happen so as not to allow Tom Holland the moment because who knows? I mean, he was still holding the thing at that moment and kind of pushing him back and, and helping him. So I think he chose in order to save Tom Holland's soul, so to speak, to be dramatic about it, to take that stab wound, knowing that he would probably be okay and figure it out because of his spider healing and all that cool shit. But I think... To me, it was a choice. And I think Tom Holland was so wrapped up in his anger that he probably wasn't paying attention to his spidey sense. So that's where, for me, that's what I choose to believe. Now, there's nothing that gives that any kind of weight other than me. That's how I want it to be. Because that, to me, continues that emotional weight and kind of redeems Tobey Maguire's terrible Spider-Man for me. But I really, to me, that was a choice that he made to, to allow himself to go through that in order to keep Tom Holland from killing because that's the difference between those three Spider-Men, right? The other two have killed, actively been a part of death of their villains, whereas Tom Holland has not, other than aliens, right? So he killed a bunch of aliens in Endgame with the insta-kill, but he's never been involved. Yeah, he's like, I want to fight an alien. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I just loved that emotional... It was such an emotional movie, and and Tom Holland did great. He really stepped up his game in this movie because it was good. I did. Yeah, he did. His his emotional acting, as I said in our spoiler free, was extremely impressed with what that scene when the Spider Man's come down and they're perched on the ledges, and then he's talking to him. They have like the kind of the the low lighting on his face, and you could see, I mean, you could just see in his face. I was impressed with the facial, physical acting there along with just the emotion behind that. Very impressive for me. I hadn't seen him in that light before. And I think he elevated his level of acting. And I was impressed. Yeah. When his ugly crying got to me, like I was like, because that's (laughs) one thing I hate about movies is when like actors pretty cry. Nobody fucking cries and looks good. You just don't like your face contorts. Like you just, you don't care. And so I love like when they're hugging him, when, MJ and Ned come in and they're hugging him on that rooftop and like he just loses it. Like I love when actors make that decision to actually ugly cry and 
and let the emotion come through. Cause to me, that's real. And that's when I feel that. So yeah, I'm with you. He really stepped it up in this, but so did Zendaya and Jacob Batalon. Like they, it was really fun to see them lean into that sidekick role and be there to support him through all the beginning of the movie where everybody's trying to judge him and shit. And so I, I just, it was really well acted movie for a Marvel movie. Like there's always some weird shit in a Marvel movie, but this one was very good. What's that phrase from Ned? You can't, you can take the chair out of the guy, but you can't take the guy out of the chair. Yeah. <laughs> Cure some ass. So that was another moment, to be honest with you, that really kind of pulled me out of this movie was when they were in like, what were they in? Like a high school? Yeah, like the chemistry lab or lab something. Or whatever. And and I'm like, lab, yeah. ah, like, I don't think you're making all that. Yeah, they could just all of a sudden create these machines out of some In high fact, school. They're not going to be able to. Let's think about our our chemistry. Like, no, yeah. way, you don't have half of that stuff. Yeah. So uh, that part, I was like, okay, I realize you have to be able to do that, but like, geez, like, come on. But it was such a small thing to be nitpicky about. But well, it's just because if it was that easy, it's like, well, why didn't the Spider Man's just do that in their universes when we watch the Spider-Man's. Right. Well, and they tried to like make a moment because like Tobey Maguire was like, I can make something that'll help Osborne because I've had a lot of years to think about it. And I appreciate that, right? Like he has that where he's like, I mean, obviously he's an older version, but it's just like, it still felt so forced and all of a sudden very convenient to be able to stop all of them by rebuilding something that it took a stark fabricator to build in the first place so anyway it was interesting yeah well that was also i was like okay so happily just has this in his laundry room and it's <laughs> been there and it's convenient that's the only time with movies where i know like you have to have that sure. stuff because it's a movie but those are always just just overlook it because like okay like this is never a thing great that stark was able to create a fabricator which what what is that that's like yeah. Are we smart enough to ever come up with that? Like, it's a glorified 3D printer. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a fancy 3D printer. I will say, so it was mentioned in the spoiler free that it, like Ian, I think you said, like the beginning took a while. Like, there is some serious setup to this movie. And while I feel like a lot of it was necessary, I feel like they could have gone through it a little faster. Like, they slowed down mm-hmm. in the one part because they had to have the cameo from the daredevil actor, which I love. I think it's great that we got him in the movie and they're doing this too with not to spoil the TV show. So if you haven't been watching Hawkeye on Disney plus paused, but they're bringing back, they just introduced Kingpin, the guy that played Vincent D'Onofrio from the daredevil TV show and from the Punisher TV show. Kingpin is now in the Hawkeye TV show. So, they're bringing those characters back slowly, but surely. But that was also a part that like, I just feel like there were some parts of him being in the police, like being interrogated. Some of that was just a little overbloated. Like I didn't need the part where Ned's like telling the guy everything. Like he's just freely telling the guy from, yeah, the cleanup or whatever that police Mm -hmm. force, like everything that part didn't again, forced comedy from Marvel. Right. So I get why they do it, but I just didn't feel like it was necessary for the story. It was just one of those moments where they were trying to make you laugh. And I think there was enough of that naturally. JJ, I was getting really excited that you were going to say the Punisher and then you didn't. So now I'm disappointed. 
sorry. They, though they have mm-hmm. announced that he will come back as well. So yes, there was a there was a joke that I I was surprised that they didn't really harp on with um, the Daily Bugle. How do you say his what's his Jay Jonah Jameson? Yeah, with you know, I just assumed at some point one of the Spider Mans, you know, would just especially Tobey Maguire's. It was just a natural joke that was set up for him, you know, to just to say something clever because this guy just ridiculed him for for so long. And this was really the first time we'd seen the Daily Bugle in this universe of yeah. Spider Man. I was expecting them to do something with that and would have laughed because it it would have been perfect. I mean, that's also Spider Man to the T, and I was surprised they didn't give us a joke there. Yeah, me too. Especially as big of a role as he played in that whole villain thing, like where they yeah. tracked him down. And yeah, it was a perfect opportunity that they kind of missed out on. So I agree with that. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Jay. What's his name? Jay Simmons. J.K. Simmons. What's his name? For back-to-back J.K. Simmons movie reviews. So he's yeah. putting in work. Two very different characters. Very different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Both good at speeches. <laughs> With J.K. Simmons' character, so he was at the beginning behind a green screen, in front of a green screen, like in his room or something. And then by the end, yeah. he had made so much money just shit talking that he was <laughs> like a multi conglomerate news business or something. I, I was, did I have that right or did I just make that up? I think, I think it was like, yeah, they kind of, it was really weird the way they showed him, but I think he was always part of like the Daily Bugle piece of it which is the big news outlet in new york in in that in the universe but i think they showed him like streaming from his home or whatever and then he but he used those resources of the daily bugle and that that a covid reference maybe maybe (laughs) that's the only thing i can think of is that you know he changed the way he reports because of or he just does like maybe he does like a 24-hour kind of thing where he just he wants Mm -hmm. to stream whenever he wants to stream so he decides that's part of what the Daily Bugle, at least in this universe, right? So I don't know, because the newspapers are pretty much dead. He so. does a great job just slamming Spider-Man. Right? That's a, well, I mean, that's, that's what he does. No, I love J.K. Simmons. He's my favorite M&M. So <laughs> he voices the yellow M&M. One of my favorite commercials still to this day is the yellow M&M with the, it, it's the fudge M&M one. He's, and they show this and he's like, why won't you go in? Yeah. <laughs> I love that part so much. Yep, yep, that commercial still makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's J.K. Simmons. He voices the yellow M&M. <laughs> yeah. JJ, I have a question for us common folk. Explain to me. So the way this movie ended, I felt mm-hmm. like... They're basically resetting Spider-Man because no one knows about him. It made me think of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man when he goes to that like really crappy apartment, is kind of in the city, figuring out his life beyond high school. That's where I felt like Tom Holland's Spider-Man is too. And with no one remembering him and the Avengers and everyone, is this Marvel's way to kind of transition it back to Sony's own full ownership and he's not going to be in the MCU after this? I was just curious, what are people saying out there? So it has been tentatively announced that they're working on another trilogy for Spider-Man. With, with Tom Holland? With Tom wow. Holland. Whoa. Because he's at like, That's isn't he at like six movies already? Yes. He's at three Spider-Man specific and then he's got three other. He had Civil War, Endgame, and Infinity War. That's a lot. Yeah. So Amy Pascal, who is the producer of, he's, she's Sony's per, big producer, She's the one that said we're already working on another series of three movies for Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Wow. 
plus crossovers. So Feige came out and said yeah. there's also plans for MCU crossover movies, not just Tom Holland in an MCU movie, but other MCU characters in Sony properties. So I don't know Whoa. what all that means. What I do know is that there is some contradiction from Tom Holland because he said he may take a break from acting and focus on starting a family. Now, I don't know. You just never know with these kind of things. But I would assume that Tom Holland will probably do another three movies as Spider-Man if they can get the money right for him because that's what it all comes down to, right? Is, is he willing to put the time into it for the money that they're going to offer him to be part of these movies? So he obviously loves playing the character whenever he talks about it. Like you can tell that he loves it. He does a great job with it. So I think we'll see at least another couple of Spider-Man movies and probably him in some Marvel movies. The ending of this movie where he chooses not to, where everybody forgets that Peter Park forgets Peter Parker existed. It's not even that he's Spider-Man. It's that he existed. Like you see at the end, he's going in, he's got the GED study guide because he now like the high school doesn't even know the man was part of their high school. So he's got to get a GED. So I do like that. They pretty much reset his world as Spider-Man to what you're kind of talking about, what we know as Spider-Man. So it was an interesting mm -hmm. twist on, you see the origin story in the first two sets of movies of Ben dying Uncle Ben dying, him becoming Spider-Man, learning how to be that. Tom Holland's Spider-Man had a very different journey to becoming Spider-Man. He didn't lose Ben. He got bit by the spider, toyed with being the Spider-Man as this weird suit, you know, whatever. Then gets pulled in and, and basically like mentored by a bunch of superheroes, specifically Tony Stark, to become the Spider-Man that he is when he, this movie starts, right? Now, no one knows who he is they know about Spider-Man. They just don't know about Peter Parker. So now he's just Spider-Man to these people. So now he's got to figure out that balance. I love the way that they've reset this and I'm looking forward and I hope that he does more movies because I'm interested to see how he does because all the, the Avengers still know about Spider-Man, but they don't know about Peter, which was a big piece for them because they loved Peter, not necessarily Spider-Man, right? So it's a very interesting outlook on what could happen with this character in these movies moving forward. And kind of along these lines, JJ, so I know you've talked about some of the other movies that are coming out and building up the Sinister Six. Is that specific to Spider-Man or is that like an Avengers type thing? Like how do those play into this? Another great question. So all of the Sinister, Sinister Six villains have gone up against other members of the Avengers but they are specifically Spider-Man villains. So Sony owns the rights to the Sinister Six characters because they're part of the rights of Spider-Man. There's probably some like, so Scarlet Witch, before Fox, Disney bought Fox, you had a version of, so if you've seen the X-Men movies, you know Quicksilver from the X-Men movies that they show as Magneto's kid, right? In the, in the last couples, and he's the really fast guy. Well, they had a version of Quicksilver in the MCU. Those properties, they're attached to X-Men, but they're also attached to the Avengers. So they were, the rights weren't owned by Fox alone. They were allowed to use the Scarlet Witch and the and Quicksilver characters, even though they're more commonly attached to the X-Men franchise, because they're in both. Spider-Man villains, they actually own the Sinister Sticks because they're Spider-Man properties. 
as the comics in Spider-Man. It's really kind of weird when you get into these rights pieces. Dude, I'm sure those le- those legal arguments with that stuff is... <laughs> those lawyers have their work cut out. Marvel had to sell their soul back in the day because if they were going bankrupt, but I'm sure now they're just like, Man, yeah. those mother effing Sony bitches, like they probably hate that now. Yeah. Well, and I'm, you know, I, I'm glad it sounds like Sony and Marvel have figured it out. And the fact that they're allowing, like we see yeah, the it sounds po- like it's Yeah, it sounds like they've got a great relationship from everything that everybody's saying. And then and now I know we almost lost it, but then you see like in with the crossover for Spider-Man and Venom, where at the end of Venom mm-hmm. 2, their that end credit scene, then you saw the mid-credit scene in this movie that had Venom. And now they've introduced the Venom symbiote piece into this world, right? So into this universe before Tom Hardy got blasted back into his universe, you saw that little piece of Venom on the countertop that moved. So now Venom has the ability to be in the MCU. And they've mentioned, Kevin Feige has specifically mentioned a crossover with bringing Venom into the MCU. Will it not be Tom Holland or Tom Hardy? Will it not be Tom Hardy and this JJ? You already know it. I hate that Venom. Like I don't even want to watch it. I'm the same, and I really hope that they. I want Venom because, again, and I've said this during the Venom movies. Venom was my favorite Spider-Man villain. It's an interesting villain. What I don't want is Tom Hardy's because I don't like Tom Hardy's rendition of Venom. I just don't. So if they do bring Tom Hardy in, which I'm sure that they will because he's so attached to that franchise now, I want them to make sure that they change the way he handles that for the MCU. I want Kevin Feige to get a hold of this guy and go, that's not how we're playing this version. Because now they have the opportunity to have Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock be different because he's in a different universe, right? Or they may change the actor all around, which I'm okay with as well. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting concept. I would like a clean break. Me too. And that's the thing that the, this multiverse concept does is it really opens up a lot of cool doors. And I'm looking forward to like the post credit scene, which is really just a trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is like they've actually pulled. So there was an animated cartoon that was on Disney Plus recently called What If? Very interesting show. It's like six episodes and it was like, different multiversal versions of our heroes and our villains in these different episodes. And it showed different universes, right? Well, one of them was the, a very dark version of Dr. Strange. And in that trailer, it looked like there was that version of Dr. Strange going to be in this movie that's coming. So I'm very interested on how they're going to tie all this stuff together with the multiverse and, and all that stuff. But I really feel like you're going to see a lot more, I think with the relationship of Sony, I think you'll see a lot more crossover. And the Sinister Six will be a big one for Sony because now, again, you've got... We've already seen that God, Michael Keaton's character is going to be at least in a... Maybe it's a cut scene of Morbius. Morbius and Vulture are two big pieces of the Sinister Six. We've already got Scorpion, which they introduced in one of the Spider-Man movies. I think it was the first one. In the jail, in the cut scene, it shows Michael Keaton talking to a guy in, in jail that has a scorpion tattoo. That's the scorpion. Green Goblin has now been introduced, which you can easily introduce an Osborne version inside of the MCU. So there's four, or you go, you know, bring somehow he comes back another one. Doc Ock was sometimes part of the Sinister Six, so you've introduced that. And now that they've reset Spider-Man within his own universe... 
those characters can now, he's on his own, he's in his own apartment. We've never seen them, but now it opens up to him finding our universe's version of those, some of those characters. So it's a very interesting dynamic when you start thinking about that. But I think you'll see some big crossovers if Tom Holland stays on board. Fingers crossed. Well, they're going to pay him a fair bit of money because yeah. he's... I'm curious to see how much money even during COVID they're going to make from this movie opening weekend because as we know, we it was hard to get tickets hard for this movie. Tickets. So my guess is they're going to make some money. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I was expecting... Tell me if this is off base, but I'm kind of surprised that they didn't bring Miles Morales in with the that animated Spider-Man movie and how yeah. well that did. Because it kind of touched on the multiverse, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was... They call it the Spider-Verse. It was into the Spider-Verse was the movie. So, And I yeah, think you'll see... Right. I think you'll see Miles Morales. And they made kind of that reference with Jamie Foxx. And, mm-hmm. and they were talking about... He's like, man, you know, where you came up from yeah. a poor neighborhood, I thought you were going to be black. And, and so, Which I thought was a great conversation between those two. So I like that they didn't bring... If they're going to bring him in, that's the guy that's going to play that for future Spider-Man. However, they're going to bring that in. I just don't know if they were ready to make that call yet. Yeah. Well, and they mm-hmm. brought in Miles Morales' uncle into the MCU. So Which in is Spider-Man 1 or 2, one of the first two Spider-Man, and I don't remember, oh, what's the guy's name? Um, oh, shit. Why can't I think of the actor's name? The remake of, he was in the... Oh, the Han Solo movie. He was... Oh, you're oh. Childish Gambino. Yeah. What right? was his name? Yeah. What, what was it, Madsen? Well, Childish Gambino. His yes, real, yes, yes. His, Childish Gambino. Yeah, yeah. What, so he was the his... guy with the car scene. He webbed him to the car, right? Yeah. He, yeah. yeah, he was selling guns or whatever oh, out of yeah. his car and he webbed his hand to him. He says his name and his name is Miles Morales' uncle. Hmm. So that character in the comics is is attached to Miles Morales. So they've actually introduced that character okay. to a certain degree into the MCU in that roundabout way. So I would be shocked. Now, the other thing, so I think that they're on their way to doing some of that because they have announced that a character called Ironheart will be joining in the Black Panther movie. So the next Black Panther movie, I think they're going to introduce a handful of new younger characters one of which is Ironheart is what I've heard. Now, that's a rumor. I don't know for sure. And Ironheart is in the comics when Tony Stark dies. This girl named Riri Thompson, I think. Riri. Her first name's Riri. Um, she's an African-American teenage girl, genius level, MIT shit. She becomes a version of Iron Man called Ironheart. She builds an Iron Man suit. And then... Hey, I've heard about this. She finds a like an AI version of Tony Stark that kind of helps her move forward. And so they're introducing her in, supposedly they're going to introduce that character in the next Black Panther movie, which I think is really cool. So they're, they're introducing all of these different versions of lesser characters or these like, right, the successors of our major yeah. heroes that are either getting too old. Like you've got Kate Bishop with the Hawkeye movie TV show. She becomes Hawkeye when he gets too old and he goes deaf. And so there's that. So they're introducing all of these young Avengers and the new Avengers and all of these different teams that could really build up like with Shang-Chi and take over and things like that. Does Marvel have like some like chief continuity officer? Like, you know what I'm trying to get? Like, cause they, I mean, they're like weaving going in and like someone, they've got to have like a department that says we're going to interject this here. It, it's just fascinating. Cause there's a lot. Yeah. 
I think they have to have it. I think Kevin Feige does a lot of that. Like he, someone he has, has a to. deep knowledge of the Marvel world within the comics and things. But it's really interesting to listen to him talk. But I'm sure they have a whole department that keeps track of. And they've messed it up before. Like Far From Home or Homecoming had like a weird date fuck up for mm. when the original Avengers, the Battle of New York happened versus when the timeline of Spider-Man happened. So like there was a fuck up there. <laughs> that they made a joke out of because ever the fans like lost their shit about it because it's like, no, the timeline doesn't line up. You're like, really fuck off. But yeah, they've made some little hiccups like that where continuity errors, because it's just a lot to keep track of. Well, these TV shows and stuff they have, they have so much going in and out. It's rather impressive just to be completely honest, but it's, it's interesting. This multiverse stuff makes me think of X-Men days of future past where I was pissed because they could just reset everything that they ever did like it never mattered. But the multiverse is, I like how they're doing where it's not necessarily resetting things. It's just a start for some new additives and storylines that branch from that moment. So yeah. I think it's a better way to do it because Days of Future Past just pissed me off so yeah, much. Me too. Yeah, yeah X-Men, that's a whole... I, I cannot wait for Marvel to introduce... Well, I'm assuming... So I was actually talking about this on the way home with my my good buddy Tyler and... Hugh Jackman is just, he's X-Men to me. And it's yeah. still so soon where if you come in too soon, I'm, whoever they have to play Wolverine, I mean, that's a losing role. They need to distance themselves as much as possible from Hugh Jackman. And so I think they're making a smart decision if this is what they're doing to say, we're doing this, but we got to wait. Like we got to yeah. push as much as we can push. You'll see the X-Men, but I think it won't be for a while. I think you're talking five years at least. Because yeah. I think the next big one that they picked up back up from Fox is that they'll bring in is the Fantastic Four. There's this big rumor that's going around that someone, and they keep mentioning it, someone bought Stark Tower. And it would make a lot of sense for the Fantastic Four had this big, huge building, this tower that they had. So I think my theory, and again, this is all theory, is that Reed Richards bought Stark mm. Tower eventually so that's i think how but i think you'll see fantastic four before you see x-men i'll be honest i have no desire to see another fantastic four movie i feel like they've even when those ones were done before and done poorly like i even if they were done well i don't know that i'd be that interested in fantastic that's why marvel's gonna do them first because they suck so bad that no one cares that they do it again because they're horrible they can screw that one up (laughs) the problem is is the fantastic four has some of the best villains that come with them, Silver Surfer, Galactus are all very much tied to the Fantastic Four. And I think that they could be a good movie. I really, and I'm excited for Marvel to have them and Kevin Feige to have a hold of it. I think if they cast it right, it could be fantastic. So we'll yeah. see. But that's who you'll, that you'll see them first. But so, all right. We've talked a lot about a lot of shit. You guys ready to rate Spider-Man No Way Home? Let's do it. All right, I'll kick off. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to kick off. I'm going to go last this time. Matt, so why don't you kick us off, buddy? Damn it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Such a hard one to rate. Oh, I was dreading this. I know. It's so funny. Like after, so I, I went and saw this movie with a bunch of my my nephews and some of their, like my future brother-in-law and such. And Tucker's my second oldest nephew. And he, he loves that I do movie podcasts. Like he's very, he's, he just loves it. And all of them I get on my case now. They're like, did you even like that movie? Like, right? Because they know we're pretty harsh sometimes. Sure. I mean, the more we've done this, I think we all, all attest that sometimes doing this takes the joy out of just watching a movie. <laughs> it certainly has happened to me before. Oh, yeah. And so hearing about this movie, like we talked about at the beginning, I heard that this movie was 
probably going to be good. And as we know, doing this, where there's high expectations, there is also a potential for a massive letdown. But for those of you who listen to the spoiler free, I gave this movie a worth it. And this movie delivered on pretty much all fronts. I, as we've talked about this, I don't think there's really been massive criticisms from us. The, the biggest thing that I talked about was wanting a little bit more urgency or understanding as the the spell was breaking, could there have been some other villains or things that stepped in to really create some of that chaos where I think it could have been further pronounced or giving me some more combo fighting from the Spider-Mans and not making it as easy as it was to dismantle all those villains. While those are critiques, they're not things that really detract from the from the movie. I think the only thing that JJ brought up and, and Ian spoke on a little bit as well is this movie started slow and they could have cut out some of those scenes just to get us to the point a little bit sooner. But this, again, I wasn't sitting in this movie like, oh my gosh, this is so long, you guys. Those that listen to us know that timing on a movie can really affect my enjoyment of it. But if you're a movie that's good throughout, I'm not going to think about how long I've been sitting in that seat. I'm just going to be captivated by what's on screen. I can't give this movie a five. This isn't a five for me. There's there's certain aspects of it that it's just so hard when we do this. Like a five is golden and it's precious. And I think that's mm-hmm. also detracted what we do. We're afraid to give fives out as critics where you only want to give a five when it's like, the movie of movies. And I think doing this, I've only given a five like twice or maybe once. I need to go back and look at that. That being said, um, man, I hate that JJ made me go first. (laughs) Ah, I'm going to give this a four. I'm going to give it a 4.5. I I really like this movie. We talked about the, I mean, I've I've said a lot of what I like. I need to stop talking, but very well acted. I think it sets the scene, I hope, for some more Spider-Man movies that I'm interested to see. The supporting cast has continued to just play their parts. One, I think Tom Holland took his acting emotionally to another level. But as JJ talked about, Andrew Garfield, just he was my favorite Spider-Man. And it was great to see him come back and do what he does very well, being that emotional link. They played homage to the fan services of the, all these Spider-Mans. If if you like the first Spider-Man, tell me why you're going to like it. If you like Andrew Garfield, if you like Tom Holland, the banter was wonderful. And it was cool to see all the old bad guys come back, make it work. And it was great to see William Defoe just be a masterful Green Goblin. And as Ian talked about, be the best Green Goblin we've ever seen. And put a plug in for DC. Please get that man to play Joker. It would be amazing. So with that being said... It's a 4.5. There's some things that knock it down. Could it be a 4? Man, I really struggle between a 4 and a 4.5. I'm going to get a 4.5. I hate that JJ made me go first, you son of a bitch. But there you go. <laughs> I love it. All right, Ian, go ahead, buddy. I'm trying to think if there's anything I need to add to what Matson said, because I kind of just echo what he said about the storyline, about the, the banter, about kind of just enjoying this movie. The setup was a lot for me. But what I did enjoy about this is all these little reveals got my uh, youngest sister. She was just super excited throughout all these reveals. Like, oh, there's another Spider-Man. And she hasn't seen the <laughs> Tobey Maguire ones. And I'm going to let her know that she doesn't need to see those because this is her best <laughs> experience with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. But at least it got her kind of interested in some of the uh, Andrew Garfield ones. With all that said, though, I really enjoyed the second half of this movie. Ah, uh, the more you guys talked about it, the more I feel like I should rate it higher. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's a superhero movie. I'll give it... This is where I wish I could do the seven fives, JJ. I know. But no, 
we can't do the seven fires. I'll give it, I'll be generous. I'll give it a four. Ah, a, uh, I don't know. Wow, we I'm haven't had this type of rating confliction in, yeah. <laughs> in, since I can remember. In a minute. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I don't <laughs> want to give it a four, but yeah, the ending, the ending for me was a four. We'll say it that. Um, I might watch go. it again. I'm not 100% sure. We'll find out, I guess. I think I, there's a very good chance I'll be watching this movie again. Yeah. We know, we already know. I'm just going to say for JJ, JJ's watching this again. He may have already watched it somehow. <laughs> I, I haven't yet, but I will watch it again. I really enjoyed this movie and I went in ready to shred this movie because I knew it was going to be popular. And then, you know, I was hearing like spoiler free reviews. People were like, like I said, there were two or three that said, this is the best superhero movie I've ever seen. And they're like big streamers on YouTube that like they got to go to the, world premiere and shit like and they're saying it's the best and i'm like nah it's not that and i was ready to just shred this thing and be like the guy that hated on this movie that everybody loved i was ready to do it but i can't it's good it was well made it was well acted it was well written i think there were some little things that i've said in in both the spoiler free and here that were unnecessary and they were marvelisms as what i'll call them they have to force in some of this comedy and some of this lightheartedness which i appreciate except when it doesn't need to be there. The beauty of Tom Holland's Spider-Man and having Ned, you have built-in comedic value without forcing certain scenes. And I feel like they did that in some ways, but that was not enough to detract me from this movie. I'm with you and Matt tonight. I shit on movies a lot for being too long when I can feel that it's that long, but I didn't feel like I was in a theater for two hours and 35 minutes. I just didn't. And I, you know, it was exciting. It was fun. I love where they're going with Spider-Man. I really hope Tom Holland really is on to do some more because I think there's some great things they can do with this character after the difficult decisions and choices that were made in this one. And I was really excited about how dark it wasn't just happy-go-lucky and everybody wins. There were some hard choices made. And I respect that. And I respect the fact that they went, they leaned into that. I was much more enjoyable of the other two Spider-Men coming back than I thought I would be. They really did well with them and minimized... Toby Maguire, while still giving him a big piece, he was the guy that kept Tom Holland from killing. He also, but then, yeah, man, I really appreciate what they did with the movie. So I've been bouncing back and forth between a four and a four and a half, but I feel like if all my bitches have to do with just these little things about comedy and the fact that they had one scene where I'm like, it'd be hard to build those things in a high school science lab. I, those are the only bitches I have. So... <laughs> Four and a half. That's I'm going to give it a four and a half too. Like I said, I've been bouncing back and forth. That's why I made you guys go first because I, I needed to think about it some more. But JG, uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm going with four and a half. I will watch this. I really enjoyed it, and I'm happy that I did. It's it was exciting. So that's the power of being our MC, ladies and gentlemen. He can select. Who gives the first rating? Man, I was, I'll be honest, I've been dreading that since we got closer to the end where I was like, Jay's just going to make me go first. It's just, <laughs> I almost went first, but I was just like, I still <laughs> have not decided what I'm going to score this. And I don't want that pressure on myself right now. So what would um, Javier have rated this? I don't know. You know, I had a conversation with him when he was telling me that he wasn't going to be on. And, and I was like, I feel like with the the heavy decisions, I think he would have liked it more than he does most Marvel. I don't think he would have been a four. I think he probably would have been in the threes, three, three and a half. Yeah. That, that's just an honest opinion. 
I think Ian needed him lower his. Uh, we yeah. raised Ian. Javier yeah. would have kept Ian down. <laughs> yep. I was at a three point five, and then Matson gave it this glowing review, and I was like, "Yeah, that's." <laughs> I mean, I can't say those things are wrong. So. Hey, I haven't. I, I missed the last one. We did our marathon recording session. But I'm, you know, I'm gonna walk out of here, go eat some lunch, and just feel real happy. I raised Ian's. Those persuasive papers paying off, man. Hey, hey, I'll, hey I'll tell you, you you convinced me that I was it wasn't enough that I was bitching about to make it not a four and a half. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can do great things with your words. We may not be able to shoot. Freaking webs out of our wrists or a contraption, but you can be a superhero with words. So let that be a lesson today, common folk. We can do great things. That's right. That's right. You guys can be superheroes with words. <laughs> That's not my thing. <laughs> but we appreciate you ground us sometimes. You, Ian, you, you can be a superhero with words that come out of a spray bottle or a piece <laughs> of. A, you're you're great with that. Like you, no one can see what's behind you. That's right. But it is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> your artistic I nature. I try. All right, boys. That was a fun review. I had a good time. It's fun to review a good movie. Let's yeah, put it, it that is. way. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> we got some interesting shit coming up. So next week, keep an eye out on the website for that because we're going to be posting here soon, probably in a week or two, what's coming next in January. But uh, our next movie that we'll be reviewing after Spider-Man now is Matrix Resurrections. But I'm also like Ian, I'm extremely worried that it's just going to blow up in my face. Yeah. 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 Uh, if you expect to be disappointed, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> uh, there you go. Hey, hey. That's, that's right. my I, mantra for rating movies now. Claps for that, Ian. Great that was awesome. Back. Great callback. If you expect disappointment, you can never be disappointed. And on that, we should just end. That was beautiful. I know. I love it. But before we do, Again, next week, join us for The Matrix. Matt's and tell them where they can find us. Yeah, let's not be disappointed by this podcast. Come back and keep listening here on Spotify, Ghana, Stitcher, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts, search What's Our Verdict. We are there. As JJ just mentioned, check out What's Our Verdict here pretty shortly. We're going to put up our next slate of movies. January is going to be hot and heavy. We're excited for some other ones that are coming up. I'm going to reference it again. I cannot wait for Batman in March. Come check us out. And then lastly, Facebook Instagram, we're always posting. Going to try and get more creative here with the new year as well with some things. But thank you all so much again for listening with us throughout the year. Really appreciate your your loyalty to this podcast. Excited to continue to do it into 2022 and for all the new movies coming out. So appreciate it, everyone. Perfect. Thanks, Madison. All right. With that, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye. And the magic out. <laughs> <laughs>